When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe I'm just nostalgic Or maybe it's truly magical I'm Brooke. And I'm producer Matt. And this is a Disneyto podcast. Andrew's not here again. Yeah. Well, this is the first time Andrew's not here. Well, this is... The timeline's all fucked up because we recorded a later episode. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Andrew's not here this week. (laughs) uh, For multiple reasons, but also because he doesn't really know anything about Game of Thrones, so... It would yeah, have been a waste of Yeah, it kind of works topic. out. So <laughs> tonight we have a special guest that we're really excited uh, can join us. Uh, the co-host of Geek History Lesson, Ashley Robinson. Hi. Yay. Hey, thank hi, you Ashley. for having me. Of course. Now, before we dive into the Game of Thrones theme, uh, you're also here because you've got a very successful Kickstarter going on right now. Uh, and this is going to come out just before that Kickstarter wraps up. So... Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on with that while our listeners have a day or two to uh, donate? Yes. So if you are not familiar with me and what I do, I am Canadian and I moved to the United States when I was 20 and I am preparing to take the final step to becoming an American citizen. And uh, that's a long, expensive, complicated process. So in order to cover the immense legal and filing costs that come along with that, I wanted to do something really creative. So I took an idea for a comic book, I'm a comic book writer, um, that I've been thinking about doing for a long time and this was the perfect opportunity to present it. So I have the first chapter, the first 20 pages in a book called Aurora and the Eagle and it imagines a world where the UN and the Justice League kind of operate like the same entity. So there's a representative for each different country the Canadian representative dies under mysterious circumstances. And so they have to go to Canada to recruit a replacement for him. Of course, they pick a nice little white girl with brown hair because I'm a nice (laughs) little white lady with brown hair. (laughs) Uh, But her name is Aurora Borealis, which might give you a hint as to the kind of power uh, she has and some of the tone of the book. It's very like golden age. Whenever a hero appears for the first time at the splash page with a logo and a hero pose, And she is met with the Eagle, who is the American vigilante, real crotchety old man vibes. Sounds right. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Americans are, right? (laughs) (laughs) And in order to sort of fulfill her destiny and become the best superhero she can be, she has to immigrate to America the same way that I did. Uh, We did fund. We did hit our goal, which is really, really amazing. But right now we're trying to hit the stretch goal of $10,000 and... And we're a little over 2,000 away from that. And if we do hit that level, then we'll be able to go into active production on the full graphic novel. And everyone who backed the original Kickstarter campaign 
I will get a pretty hefty discount code. I mean, if we shoot like all the way to 14,000 in my pipe dream, then I, everyone will probably just get the book, but that's still a long ways off. So uh, the campaign ends on April 11th, I think. What is time, oh, guys? Soon. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. very soon. <laughs> so if people want to donate, they can go to auroraandtheeagle.com. It'll link you right to the Kickstarter. It's at the top of my page, uh, Geek History Lesson, my podcast page. All my socials is pinned right at the top. And uh, on my Kickstarter campaigns, I always want as many people to be included in the process as possible. So I have a lot of cool rewards like script reviews and portfolio reviews. We have one portfolio review left from Liam Sharp, who drew Wonder Woman and is currently drawing The Green Lantern. We have one left from Stephen Byrne, whose book Mara Tidebreaker just came out last week and launched the DC Inc. lines. Um, and so if you ever wanted to create comics, not only can you come and support me, but I can give you back some support. And hopefully next year it'll be you kickstarting your comics. That's awesome. Uh, just <laughs> the whole concept yeah. of your, your comic book. That's so creative, and I love that it's kind of putting like a really – sarcastic spin on something that's an actual problem um yeah <laughs> so it's like a fun way to bring awareness to something that's like an issue oh thank you so much so very sweet. <laughs> good on you i think that's really exciting everyone go back ashley's kickstarter help her out let's get Please. this out there and we've got a really cool topic to cover for this episode but there's one more piece of house cleaning that needs to be addressed which is uh last week's episode um Oh, <laughs> in case, this is fun. In case you guys didn't know, uh, that episode came out on April Fool's Day, and some of you are very upset. We're aware that Shrek is not a Disney movie, and that was the joke. So, <laughs> so hopefully you listen to the very end, but we've gotten enough messages on social media that we know that some people gave up midway through yeah. and kind of we wrote got, us off as idiots. We got some, <laughs> some rough messages from people that were very offended uh, that we were talking about Shrek as a Disney movie. I thought I threw them enough hints throughout the episode that like, hey, we're kidding. I was like, yeah, it's almost like this is a DreamWorks movie. <laughs> and I was like, that's not enough of a hint. Like, we're kidding. Um, so yeah, if you listened all the way through, congratulations. I'm very proud of you. You're a true Disney ho. Um, but if you didn't, at the very end, there's a brief moment after our post-song um, wrap-up where I tell everyone that it's an april fool's joke so we were just kidding but shrek is really good and so is how to train your dragon don't even at me about it because it's good so the theme that we're going to do in honor of game of thrones final season debuting well, on sunday i mean i think in honor of ashley being the co-host of geek history lesson we have a very geeky thing going on that today, also that also where works. she's going to show us all up on geekiness but it's kind of a combination i think i said this in uh, an episode last week where it's we're combining a little bit of Harry Potter, Disney, and Game of Thrones because we are taking Disney characters, pretty much throwing them in the sorting hat, and then spitting out their Game of Thrones houses. Well said. Yes. <laughs> so um, producer Matt created a list for us. Ashley and I had some time to go through it and kind of decide where we would want each character, where we think they would land in the Game of Thrones uh, realm. Um, I am... I love Game of Thrones. I read all the books. I was very nerdy about it. I am not on Ashley's level of geekdom. <laughs> so I prepare to be completely shown up here. And I also, I will say, I try to keep the houses um, kind of like, uh, not obvious, but ones that like kind of just a, a show watcher would be familiar with. Because unless you've read the books, you're not going to know a majority of the five million houses in Game of Thrones. 
that is true. I picked a couple more obscure ones, but they all have important representations on the show. So mm-hmm. hopefully they're not too obscure. Some of mine, they're not even houses. I just kind of like saw them as certain characters or as certain types of uh, people you could come across in either Westeros or Essos. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. And, yeah. and the way that we're going to do this is it's going to kind of bounce back and forth. I'm going to read a character's name. Brooke's going to explain the house that she chose. And then Ashley will either state that she had the same house or what house she had and the reasons why. And then Ashley will do the next one and Brooke will respond and we'll go back and forth that way. Um, Perfect. So we're going to start with Ichabod Crane. Kona's just like all up <laughs> in, in my, my face. Well, he wants to know what houses you Hi, put these Coco. characters in. Too bad he can't read. You, oh, I'm going first. <laughs> You're starting with Ichabod okay, Crane. Okay, Ichabod Crane. So I actually had to look up a little bit about Ichabod Crane because not super familiar. I know, I'm bad at this. Um, <laughs> but I decided that I think he would be in House Reed. So that falls uh, with Howland Reed, Jojen Reed, Mira Reed. Um, they are loyal to House Stark. They are the Kranig men. They live in like this swampy, marshy, um, well-hidden castle. Um, they're very quiet people. Very kind of soft-spoken. Um, I'll say nerdy, but very uh, book smart. And I, I think that's how Ichabod comes across. Keep in mind, I don't know too much about that character. So I'm kind of just going out on a limb here. But that's where I placed Ichabod. All right, Ashley, what house did you put Ichabod in? I put Ichabod in House Tarly. Uh, it was just Samuel I Tarly's thought about house. that, too, because of Sam. And I, I picked Tarly because Sam is very smart. Mm-hmm. He's very intelligent. But he's kind of an outlier from his house, House Tarly. Um, they're Riverlands Bennerman. Um, and then they wind up uh, lying with the Lannisters a little bit later on around the third book. Um, and they are traditionally warriors and they're very brave. And that's the interesting thing about Ichabod Crane. And Sam Tarly has kind of the same arc is at first he comes across very nebbish, very bookish, very shy and understated. But when he's called upon, he is truly brave. Maybe not in the traditional, um, I'm Aragorn and I am a hero running into the fray and leading my troops kind of way, but in a way that matters and particularly in matters of the heart. So that's why I went with House Tarly. I actually, I think that's a good placing because that was on my mind when I was, um, thinking about Ichabod but when I think about House uh, Tarly mm-hmm. because Sam's such an outlier I was like oh I feel like if you were more like Randall then I could place him there so like that hot I- brother though <laughs> Dickon yeah hey <laughs> Dickon Tarly um, but yeah no I think that's a really good placing I totally agree with that I do have someone else in House Reed though so I'm glad that Ooh. you picked House Reed as well <laughs> I love House Reed <laughs> All right, Ashley, where did you put Captain Hook? So for me, Captain Hook was a super, super easy pick who's kind of crotchety and kind of associated with water and has almost no redeeming qualities because I love the character of Captain Hook. I've played Peter Pan professionally on stage four times because I'm short, like I mentioned earlier, and I have short hair. Um, so he's a character very near and dear to my heart, but like he's not an especially good leader, particularly the Disney hook, because he's so reliant on Smee to get anything done. Mm-hmm. Like he's basically crippled, so you can't give him to a rather brave house. So that kind of knocks out the Greyjoys when you're looking at houses that we traditionally associate with wet imagery. So I wound up going with House Frey. 
for Captain Hook. <laughs> which perhaps is me aiming a bit high in how ambitious and effective he can be, but there's also a <laughs> lot of sons of Walder Frey in particular, legitimate and otherwise, who are just kind of wandering about hoping for for the best and maybe they'll inherit his throne of the twins someday and that's kind of where I see uh, this version of Captain James Hook landing. Where did you put Hook? I, Coda, please get down. You're being <laughs> a little creepy. Um, so I actually have Frey for someone else. Um, but too. I, so for me this was kind of obvious and you even mentioned it. I thought Captain Hook aligns with the Greyjoys due to his association with sailing in the water. I don't think Balon Greyjoy has anything um, to like about him. He's <laughs> very kind of uh, scorned and jaded and a little butt hurt, and I totally get that sense with Hook. He's just like wants. It. He thinks he's owed everything, but he's really not. And he kind of just blames it all on Smee and anyone else when things don't go his way. That's kind of what Balon does with um, Theon. Uh, he kind of blames Theon for the, the demise of their house, even though, you know, he was the one that kind of sold him away to the Starks to keep the peace. So whatever, Balon. So I chose uh, Greyjoy and I kind of did like a slash any house that falls in the Iron Islands because they're Fair. all a little like crotchety and salty, you know? So I felt like he could definitely hang out there. All right, Brooke, so where are you going to put Maleficent? Oh, this petty bitch. Let's talk about it. <laughs> um, so Maleficent, as petty as she is, she is like a, calm down, sorry, my dog, really great sorceress. She's got all these powers. She's really kind of got a little bit of a seductive way about her. So for me, that could only relate to one character. I don't know if there's a specific house, but I characterize her as a red priestess from Asai, which yeah. would be Melisandre. In, in, the sh in the show and in the book, she's a red priestess from Asai. And I did that part because of, like, the priestess, sorceress thing. Um, we see Melisandre give birth to, like, shadow creatures and things like that. And then Maleficent goes and turns herself into a whole damn dragon. And I'm like, I don't know. I think that might be some shadow magic there. I'm not sure what's going on. And she wears, like, this weird crown and, like, some jewels just like Melisandre does. So it's not a specific house, but I'm going with red priestess. And where did you put Maleficent, Ashley. I also put her as Our Lady of Ashai. I don't know if she does have a formal house. I know there's a big fan theory that she is the daughter of uh, a couple of the Targaryen bastards. Yes. But I don't think she has any kind of formal heading. I almost put her in House Lannister because she is a woman who gets where she needs to go in spite of a bunch of like myriad weird complicated circumstances mm -hmm. and because she looks great but <laughs> yeah. i think um i think the like illusion uh particularly of like the witchcraft tropes you have to associate with her melisandre yes all right now where are you gonna put cruella Deville there ashley see i also think cruella Deville is like super petty and super rude <laughs> and remains petty and rude for no reason but she's and she's a character that I really like, but for a villain, particularly for a Disney villain, she's one of the broader strokes for like creatures. We don't really understand. She's very why. misunderstood, right? Yeah. Thank you. But I also <laughs> lobbed her. Yeah, maybe. We also, I also lobbed her into House Frey because to me, House Frey is like the pettiest of the petty, getting mad for nothing and acting out violently. And I think that that sums her up pretty well. <laughs> so. 
Yeah. I went with Frey. It was my first idea, best idea. <laughs> I, I think she is very petty and lashes out uh, and has violent tendencies. Where did you end up putting her? I, I put her in a house that kind of has the same thing. There is a house where there is a female who is petty and has violent tendencies <laughs> um, and is <laughs> sneaky and comes from wealth. And that's House Lannister. Uh, Cruella, to me, reminds me, she gives me some Cersei vibes in that she's kind of like this woman on a mission and not a good one she will just take down her enemies any any way she can and she's a little frantic and um maybe doesn't always think her decisions through like sometimes cersei is very emotional and i think cruella is the same way uh i i am of the belief that cruella comes from a very wealthy background so i think she would have grown up on lannisport and castro <laughs> rock um so i went with lannister i think she could totally fit in there all right, so Brooke, you're up now for Ooh. Ursula. Yeah. Uh, I actually had a really hard time with Ursula because we go back to, like, the witch type. Um, and I've already done, you know, the, the Red Priestess bit. And I don't think she really fits that characterization. Um, but Ursula, she's kind of got, like, this baiting personality a little bit so she's very kind of alluring and she's interesting she's intriguing she gets these people to sign contracts and she's like and i'll give you something for it but it's not going to be what you think it is and that reminded me of one character uh in the books and i think she's in the show for like a, a brief like um uh flashback um but she is I characterize her as a fortune teller from Lannisport. And in the book, it's Maggie the Frog is a fortune teller that tells Cersei her future. And it's like super foreboding and kind of ominous. Um, and I think that Ursula has them same kind of vibes like, oh, yes, you'll get what you want. But then it's all going to be taken away from you. And you're going to die at the hands of the, the little, the Volunkar, the little brother. You know what I mean? So I think that's a very Ursula thing to do. Be like, oh, yes, you'll be queen. But then you're going to lose it all. And everything you love will die. So. And Ashley, where did you end <laughs> up putting Ursula? Well, that was a very deep and thoughtful answer. And I was just like, well, she a octopus. And Greyjoy <laughs> got a squid on her banner. True. They got the Kraken. <laughs> she, uh, she also has a lot of tendencies when you put the mysticism aside that are a lot like um, Asha or Yara, as they call her on the show, which I will never That's stop being so about. so confusing. Uh, Theon's older sister, like, they're both uh, kind of butch. They're both really tough. They both have a bunch of idiots who follow them around and uh, serve true. them. And they both prove that they can succeed where some of the men in their lives have not. So I was like, well, they, they've all got eight legs. Perfect. She's a Greyjoy. Um, I also consider myself to be in House Greyjoy. And I, I think she's cool AF and I wanted her on my team. I love Ursula. I think she's fantastic. <laughs> And yeah. I love Asha too, so or Yara, whatever. Um, so I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm realizing that I've mostly been reading villains. That it's not all villains on these no, lists. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Uh, Ashley, you've got Jafar. Yes, from my all-time favorite Disney movie. Um, he's British. He wears thick eyeliner. He's got good hair, and he wants to keep women under his thumb. What other house could he belong to but Baelish? Like, Jafar is Peter Baelish, Disney style, um, but he's a little less, like, high school English teacher hot than Peter Baelish is. But he's definitely got yeah, he definitely swagger. <laughs> <laughs> and he's able to manipulate a king 
up to a certain point to get what he wants, and then they both wind up dead because I don't believe in the Aladdin sequels. <laughs> Agreed. So, so, like, Baelish was one that... Some of these were really tough, but Baelish came to mind for Jafar immediately, and I had no doubt that that's where I thought he belonged. So that Baelish actually came to me first when I was doing Jafar, and I was like... I don't know. I don't know if I could really explain that one. You did a great job explaining it. I wish I had your train <laughs> of thought because that was my first thought. But I actually ended up putting him in House Frey because I just, mm-hmm. I he's so icky to me and it reminds me of Walder Frey. And like you said, with keeping women under his thumb, kind of controlling them. And I feel like Walder just uses women as props and pawns to, you know, secure alliances and heirs and what have you. And that's just kind of the creepy factor Jafar gives me. So I was like, yeah, you're a fray. You go there. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right, Brooke, where did you put Gaston? Gaston. I feel like, for me, this was super easy. I mean, just based on his looks alone, dark hair, light eyes, that signifies one house in um, the Stormlands. Uh, and then his whole personality and his machismo. To me, he's a Baratheon through and through. He is kind of like a young Robert Baratheon, like during Robert's Rebellion when he was fit and not a sloppy drunk. You know, he was just like this good looking guy. He was a, uh, a warrior and a hunter and he was going after the pretty girl that he wanted, which in Robert's case was Lyanna Stark. So he's Baratheon through and through. <laughs> Ashley? Yeah, I definitely think he's a Baratheon, <laughs> but he's sort of all of the negative qualities about a Baratheon. Yes. <laughs> Because they do have a lot of, like, really positive qualities as well. Like, you were talking about drinking, and I'm like, well, Gaston has a whole song that's just about how much he can drink and eat. Mm -hmm. And then the moment where he's like, how do you read this? There's no pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Or when Belle calls him, like, oh, you're positively primeval. He's like, thank you, Belle. (laughs) Like, I could totally imagine Robert saying all of that uh-huh. in his cups yep. but also like arguably like a decent leader kind of good looking mm-hmm. so like uh, how bad is he really <laughs> I, I love Gaston I think he's attractive I watched the live action Beauty and the Beast over the weekend and I was like Gaston you, I'm into you I kind of <laughs> like your confidence yeah Luke Evans <laughs> yeah I mean he's a, a total douche nozzle but I'm kind of into it at the same time I don't know it's very confusing to be a woman sometimes that's true. <laughs> I was waiting for you both to pick the same house for somebody, so I'm glad it happened. Gaston did it, my man. <laughs> All right, Ashley, uh, choose your words wisely on this one, but Pocahontas. Oh <laughs> Pocahontas is my number one Disney girl. That's why he says um, that. I put her in House Stark. Oh. Because I think she... Is kind of how I imagine Liana being like, obviously she's very beautiful. She's very evocative, but she has that kind of attitude where she'll take on the men or the people who think they're stronger than her in her life and she'll prove them wrong. And she has a good balance between um, intellect and actual power. And that's Mm. what really her strength comes from because she's not in a position of power. She's not particularly um, smart about the world, I guess, the way you might say um, John Smith is. But in the end, even if she gets a little sneaky about it, she's going to come out on top. So I know that's a, it's probably a strange choice, but for me, she's a Stark. It's definitely not what I chose, but I love it because I love Pocahontas. I love Liana Stark. I love House Stark. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm all for that categorization. Um I kind of went based solely on looks and a little bit of mystery. 
Um, sorry, my dog is standing behind the table, seeming very confused right now. <laughs> <laughs> Rowdy, can I can I help you? What's wrong, honey? I, I'm sorry, I have no idea what's going on. Um, <laughs> so I put her in a, in a weird one, but like based on her skin tone and her hair, she kind of seemed like somebody that would be from Dorn. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have that olive skin and the dark hair. Think like Oberyn and the Sand Snakes. <laughs> Gosh, she's so weird. I'm so sorry. Um, so I put her in House Martell. Um, I thought about maybe doing Dane as well. I have it like slashed right now, Martell and Dane. Because mm -hmm. you think of Ashara Dane. She's kind of got like this mystery around her. And she seems like a girl who was a little bit like Liana in that she kind of strayed from the norm. But we really don't know anything about Ashara. So I'm making a lot of assumptions on like her uh you know, relation to Pocahontas potentially. Uh, for me, it was mainly looks. So I went a little, uh, you know, shallow on this one. <laughs> so I did Martell or, or Dane. All right, Brooke, where would you put the Shadow Man from Princess and the Frog? <sighs> okay. So I've actually never seen this movie the full way through. You watched it once drunkenly in college or yep, something? Yep, I did. <laughs> so that's what we're basing all of this on right now. Is that a good old college recollection? Um, I put him as not belonging to a particular house. Um, I forget the name of the place. And actually, you'll probably remember. So I'm very thankful you are on this episode. But I put him as Piet Pri of Karth. And he's one of like those evil sorcerers that kind of leads Daenerys into it, into the house of... Um, I can't, I can't even think of it. The Undying? Yes. The House <laughs> of the Undying. When she goes in and she has like those um, visions or hallucinations of Drogo and their son, um, Rago. Mm -hmm. He seems, he just gives me creepy vibes, like a little gross sorcerer trying to trick people. Granted, I don't remember a whole lot. So <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> All right, Ashley, what house would you have put the Shadow Man in? I'm... Um, it's interesting because I speak French, so this is the first time I've actually seen his name written out, and I'm like, oh, it's a joke. That's fun. Wait, what's um, the joke? Facilier means, like, a facilitator or someone who makes something easier for someone. So if he is shepherding spirits from one plane to another, it, it makes sense. Oh, nice. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> I went more for his vibe that he gives off. He's the kind of character who walks into any situation and the candles go low and a weird wind blows out of nowhere, even though it's 109 degrees out and is always followed around. I imagine always being followed from around by familiars or dark skulking underlings. And so I made him a Bolton. Oh God. Of the, of Gross. the man. <laughs> yeah. Cause the Boltons are the worst. They are so long. The Greyjoys are. Nasty. And then Ramsey from Misfits shows up uh, to ruin everything. And that's Ugh. kind of what that character is for me. Now um, he has that kind of oogie boogie charm because it's uh, a Disney universe and not of game of Thrones universe. But I could see if you were trying to animate Roose Bolton, um, and you weren't stuck casting a bunch of pe white people from England, um, how he, his character <laughs> design actually might come out looking a lot like the Shadow Man. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's really good. God, I hate the Boltons so <laughs> much. The worst. I hate them. Um, I'm also sorry if we picked up that siren in the background. That's fine. Uh, you know, things happen in life. <laughs> uh, all right, Ashley, where would you put Flynn Rider? Oh, we're switching so, up. Okay. I've never seen this movie. What? <laughs> yeah, there's two on this list I've never seen. Um, 
But I know that Flynn Rider is dumb, and I know he's pretty, so he's obviously a Tyrell male. Wow. <laughs> I'm offended. He's not that dumb. But he is very pretty, I agree. He is my Disney animated crush. I love me some Flynn Rider. Um, Tyrell is a good one, because Loris is kind of dumb, yeah. but he's super cute. Um, cool. That's fun. Where Although he's him? not stupid. Right? <laughs> God, he's not stupid. Um, so I didn't put... I had a lot of trouble with Flynn, which surprised me because I was like, oh, Flynn's my guy. I'm going to get this. So at first I thought maybe Stark based on some of his looks. I know that he kind of, oh, my God, Rowdy, you are so pathetic. I thought that was someone going, no. Well, it pretty much was. Rowdy's like, he's not a Stark. And And then I changed my mind, Rowdy. Okay. Not a Stark. I put him as a sellsword. I feel like he's the kind of guy that could bounce around from, you know, <laughs> banner to banner and not really be aligned with anyone until he absolutely needed to be. I feel like he's kind of in it for his own interests, especially early movie Flynn. I feel like he kind of comes around at the end. If you watch the movie, you'll see he's very sweet and not that dumb. He's cute, whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I have him down as I have him down as a sellsword. All right, Brooke, where would you put your favorite person in the world, Vanellope Von Sweets? I, I refused to put her in a house because I hate her that much. <laughs> I refuse. I just wrote down, nope. <laughs> so you passed on this Yeah, one. I did. I can't stand Sarah Silverman. I just like couldn't I couldn't deal. All right, well, then it goes, goes to <laughs> Ashley. This is all Ashley. Uh, that's funny because I have the exact same feelings about this character. I despise her. Um, yes. in the In the sequel, she becomes... She reaches for even more power that she doesn't deserve, doesn't prove to us that she deserves, and does nothing to really earn, and then screams at the one person in the world who loves her. So I made her a Lannister because uh, Cersei, <laughs> yeah. even though I like I love Lena Headey, and I think Cersei's one of the most dynamic, interesting characters. Like she's so insufferable to I the point her. where it hurts <laughs> enough that she hates Tyrion, particularly because Peter Dinklage is like so charming and so mm-hmm. handsome and like such a force to be reckoned with on that show. But then when she turns on Jamie, you're like, wow, you don't care about anyone or anything that happens to them, yeah. which is how Vanellope treats Ralph. So I, I made her a Lannister. That's I good. I agree. No love for the Lannisters. <laughs> I agree. I'd put her in House Lannister, too. Screw that bitch. I hate you, Vanellope. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe Elsa will fare kinder for both of you. So, <laughs> so Ashley, where are you putting Elsa? Um. I made the visually obvious choice and put her in House Targaryen. But I do also think her arc, obviously I can't speak to Frozen 2, is very similar to Daenerys. Like, she has this destiny sort of thrust upon her that she appears to be ill-equipped for. She has these powers that she can't quite control and she overreaches and hurts the people that she loves. But in the end, is ultimately going to sit on the throne in Danny's case, I'm not quite sure for how long. <laughs> um, and so I think that even though there's a bunch of people screaming at their audio devices that I only did this because she's got the white hair, mm-hmm. I really think there are a lot of textual similarities. And that's because um, the the Snow Queen myth that Frozen is based on is one of the sort of classic female hero's journey tropes. So it would make sense that just from a literary perspective, they would appear similar. <laughs> yeah. Um, I put her in House Targaryen as well. Uh, and like you, I was hesitant because I knew people would be like, oh, it's the hair. And it's like, yeah. no. But I think like Danny, she has, you know, this power, but she doesn't necessarily know what to do with it. And so she needs a lot of help figuring it out. Um, 
I would say Elsa's probably a little bit more effective in her ability to figure out her power and how to control it, where Danny kind of needs a little bit more guidance. She gets off track, but so does Elsa. So I, I definitely see the similarities. That's why I put her in House Targaryen too. I think like the the funny part is like she has ice powers, so you would think yeah. like Stark or something like along those lines. But she's because she's the total opposite of fire. But that's what makes it interesting, I guess. So yeah, Targaryen for me too. All right. Uh, so Brooke, where are you going to put Maui? I put Maui as a Dothraki. Uh, I think he's got like this little bit of wildness to him and this like tribalness uh, that he would just fit right in. I mean, obviously the Dothraki are really kind of barbaric sometimes and very rugged and clearly are not demigods. But I think with, you know, the tattoos and the hair and kind of that wild, very animated personality, I think he could totally fit in. And he's got the hook and they've got the skies. So I think like he's good. He he could ride with them. Uh, And Ashley? I put him in house Mormont. Uh, the bears um also they have that trend of being like english teacher hot that runs throughout game of thrones um but the mormons (laughs) it's just so weird my 14 year old brain loves it um but the mormons are very pig-headed very physically large very strong and very good at having weird feelings about their young female protégés kind of like wolverine and to me, it, that very broad stroke speaks to who Maui is. There's even that moment in Moana um, where he sort of betrays her the way we saw Jorah betray Danny. But ultimately, in the end, you know that they're working toward their best goals and their best selves, even if they don't quite know what happened. And Maui and uh, Jorah and Jayort, to a lesser extent, have both gone through a long period of disgrace where they didn't mm-hmm. have their power or they didn't have their rights or didn't have the same status that they had and their journey narratively is how to find that again so and i wanted to put mormon on my list because i don't think they're celebrated enough they <laughs> aren't i love the mormons they're great um and i was thinking actually like while i was looking through this list earlier so i have maui down as a dothraki but i also kind of wonder if he could fit into house clegane that's I mean, a good choice just based off physical size but there's a moment like i think maui and moana have a little bit of a similarity to the hound and aria where they're like Mm -hmm. this very unlikely duo that's kind of forced together and they have to kind of make it work and figure each other out and they do and they grow to like each other and have this really adorable bond so i think he could maybe fit in clegane in a a hound-esque role I wish I'd been smart enough to put our, um, Corella in House Clegane because their sigils the three dog heads. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take uh, two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Ashley, where are you going to put Merida? <gasps> my favorite Pixar princess. Um, are again, there, wait, it, hold on a second. Pause. How many Pixar princesses are there? She Well, she's my favorite Pixar. Brave is my favorite Pixar movie. Okay. I just wanted to clarify. Um, I'm like, I don't think there's more than her. I mean, she's probably my favorite Disney princess. I just love her. I love Scotland so much. Scotland is amazing. So I saw this movie with my mom, and I cried in the theater. And she said, it's just a movie. So that's how that <laughs> Which is my mom to a T. Um, I went with an obvious visual choice, but also because I think of all the women, she reminds me a lot of Catelyn. So I put her in-house Tully. 
very smart, uh, very aesthetically Scottish in their way, decently good at ruling, but often prone to being uh, misled by matters of the heart. I don't mm-hmm. think she has some of the worst Tully traits um, that like that Edmure has, where he's kind of cowardly and he's he's just very like middling. He's just like average British dude. Uh, whereas Cat and then the Blackfish are really like brave and strong, and they'll do whatever it takes. And they both confronted magic in a way that they weren't able to quantify. So I thought House Tully, and eh, that they all have red hair. I also put her in House Tully. Nice. Um, I thought she she reminded she reminds me a lot of Catelyn in that um, you know like you said she does lead with the heart, and it's like anything for family. Like yeah. she's going through all this trouble to try to you know get her mom back or like you know make her mom not be a bear you know yeah <laughs> that's a nice thing to do uh and she gets led astray by emotions just like Catelyn does um and obviously the red hair she just fits she's definitely a riverlands girl all right brooke where and i know what you wrote down for this so i'm very excited <laughs> where did you put ector hector i put him down as a white but like a good one <laughs> like cold hands or in the show, Benjen, because um, Hector's obviously dead. So I was like, well, I mean, that makes it kind of easy. He's a white, and but a good one, because Hector's nice. He's a nice guy. He can be like cold hands and like help Bran out, or, you know, if he's going to be like in the show, maybe he's undead Benjen, you know? He's just kind of a cool guy that's dead, but alive, and he helps you out. He's nice. Ashley? Um, I made him a Martell. Because Oberyn in particular really gets by on his charm. And that's really all Hector has going for him most of the movie. (laughs) I was trying to be like, who sings in Game of Thrones? But like all the singing people suck. Well, there's like that one cameo by Ed Sheeran. (laughs) He sings. Uh, Yeah. And apparently the drummer from Coldplay is like the drummer in the the band at the Red Wedding playing the Reigns of Castamere. But nobody knows the name of the drummer from Coldplay. Yeah, so that's like, where, who even is that? That's where this story stops. Um, <laughs> and again, I know people are going to assume this is like a vaguely racist choice because Oberyn, our most obvious representations of the Martells, is played by Pedro Pascal. Mm-hmm. But I love him. For me, the, there's no one more charming than a Dornish man in that universe. So it had to be House Martell. And I would like to see him kill someone with a spear. That would be really That'd cool. That would be really cool. <laughs> God, I, I miss Oberyn, RIP, never forget. Me too. <laughs> he was great. I think we have enough time to go with some of the ones that Brooke tried to veto. Oh, man, so. I, I like didn't even do some of these, so this is going to be <laughs> live. Let's see how this goes. So originally it was a list of 20. Brooke was like, these are animals. They don't count as people. So we're going we're well, gonna to rock it, through. Here we go. Oh, man, I did the whole assignment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, I just try to like get out of things all the time. I'm just like, no. So starting with Ashley, where did you put Robin Hood? I put Robin Hood in House Florent because their sigil is a fox. And they're good at tourneys. So there wasn't a lot of depth in that choice, but I was like, cool, great, got it. I put him in the Brotherhood Without Banners. Uh, I good feel choice. like they're kind of Inspired rebels. by Robin Hood. Yeah, I feel like they're kind of one. riding around doing what they think is right. And that, that fits him. Whatever. He's a sneaky little fox. All right, then I'm pretty sure you didn't write anything down for Phil. Yeah, there's like the next three I didn't write anything <laughs> down for, so this is going to be fun. So Phil from um, Hercules? I put him in House Reed because he is someone who 
is a very good teacher and very good at speaking from a vague place. And that's for me what Mira and Jojen do as they're leading Bran north because even the stories that they're telling him, like Mira has this whole moment where she tells Bran the story of Lyanna Stark and how she falls in love with Rhaegar Targaryen, but like Bran doesn't get it. And the retold purpose in the Song of Ice and Fire narrative is to bring Bran to his destiny, just like it is Phil's job to bring Hercules to his destiny. That's good. Um, thinking about it that way, I would maybe um, classify him as Blood Raven. Good who call. Is the three-eyed raven obviously uh, that teaches Bran, downloads him all, all that? You know, he goes through that massive download of the whole history of like Westeros and Essos and what have you. Um, so I would kind of classify him as that. And Blood Raven is someone. Is he like he's Brynden? Um, he's one of the it. Targaryen. Uh, one of the is he a Blackfire? Targaryen bastards. Yeah, he's a Blackfire. He is. He is one of the one of those. He's the number one choice that people have a line for Melisandre's father. Yeah, because it was him and then that girl, and I can't remember her name right now. Shit. That was That's supposed okay. to be like they they got together and had Melisandre. Whatever. But Blood Raven. Alright, Ashley, well, Brooke tries to figure out these other uh-huh. two. I think it's Brendan Rivers. Ashley, where did you uh-huh. put Stitch? I put Stitch as a wild leg. Because... That is so fitting. <laughs> he pretty much is only there for himself and the woman that he stole and carried off over his shoulder. So it's just like it's him and Lilo against the world. <laughs> and uh, Stitch is like one of my all-time faves. So I had to, I had to do right by him. I just saw Lilo and Stitch for the first time this year. Oh, my God. Jason did that, too. And, like, my understanding of what that movie was about was so completely off to, like, how heartwarming that movie actually is. so cute. Like, I thought it was just, like, oh, here's just, like, an annoying alien running around and, like, spouting catchphrases. I was like, oh, "Oh, no, no, this is super touching. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Emperor Cusco. Um, I also put him in House Tully because he reminds me of Edmure in that he has like none of the good qualities like he's a half-ass leader he's super lazy he's kind of dumb and he needs a bunch of stronger smarter better people to get him where he's going and that's all of Edmure's faults which is such a bummer because a song of ice and fire low-key shows you how mediocre men are and how much better yes, women are it at does. doing everything <laughs> yes and Catelyn is one of the best examples of that in her relationship with her brother and that's like Kuzco is fun and charming and funny but like is he good at anything no mm, yeah. does he deserve to be in charge absolutely not but we're kind of happy when it happens the women are so much better at running shit like look at Olena Tyrell I want her to adopt she me. runs <laughs> shit all day long over these fools and i love her queen status all right brooke i know you wrote down something very hurtful for this one (laughs) and due process of elimination i think it's also the the other movie that you hadn't seen yet is that correct me um sorry um i yes i haven't seen zootopia with uh, a officer judy hops yeah i haven't seen zootopia well, where'd you put where'd you put Judy? So Hops? I said Judy Hopps is dead. <laughs> Judy no, Hopps is no, that's she's harsh. dead. She's a rabbit. They're eating that bitch. She's done. <laughs> Game over. Uh, I took no time to consider her personality. She's another like very strong, very um, she's a go getter, and she definitely challenges the men and doesn't care about stereotypes. So I guess I could have put a little bit of thought into it and put her somewhere, but she's a rabbit, and I was like, no. <laughs> Rabbits get eaten in Game of Thrones. 
which is fair. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley, you oh. actually did the homework assignment. Where yeah. did you put <laughs> Judy Hobbs? Uh, I've never. I put her in the. I've never seen a movie. <laughs> so right. I guess I like, she's I... she's kind of cute. I don't. Thank know. you. <laughs> if I had to really think about it, Judy Hops. Who does she remind? God, this is so dumb. Who does she remind me of on Game of Thrones? You know, she kind of maybe a little bit of egret. She's kind of got that like I don't need a man. I'm not gonna faint over some blood. Like I got this type of attitude. So she could fit in with the wildling women, I think. Um, and definitely any other kind of like strong willed and very determined female character in in the series. Um, maybe like a, a Sansa's arc. Like I really don't want to classify Judy Hopps as a Stark. That's kind of insulting. But <laughs> she does have make like her, make her a car Stark. Yeah, we'll go with car Stark. But with a Sansa arc where she's kind of like starts out a little meek and mild and kind of like really grows into her own and handles shit. So like maybe in there, maybe a little bit of Sansa, a little bit of Egret, you know, just hanging with the redheads. But she's really yeah. a rabbit, so she's dead. But whatever. <laughs> so as you can tell, all three of us are very excited for Sunday when this new season again. Yes, of I'm starts. so excited. Heck yeah! Because I under like I have accepted that you know George is obviously never going to finish the series. So however they finish the show, it's just what I it's what I'm gonna have to be content with, and be like I guess this is how it ends because I'll never truly know. <laughs> And Ashley, where again can we go and donate to the Aurora and the Eagle Kickstarter? Oh my goodness, you can go to auroraandtheeagle.com because I try to make this as easy for everyone as possible. Uh, if you liked anything that I said, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley V. Robinson. And if you especially like the Game of Thrones things that I said, please listen to Geek History Lesson. We have uh, a Game of Thrones discussion topic coming up and check Ooh. out the Collider Game of Thrones podcast because I host that. Yay! <laughs> you host a Game of Thrones podcast? Uh, oh, it's like three weeks old. <laughs> That's awesome though. Yes, yes, girl. Get it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I, I had a really good time. Thank you for not making me feel like a total fool. Cause like, Are you kidding? <laughs> I've read a lot of Game of Thrones stuff and I was still like, oh god, she's going to make me look real dumb. <laughs> so... Thank, thank you for you taking it easy on me. For having me. And thank you, Matt, for letting me bully you over the course of several weeks into having me on the show. <laughs> well, I appreciate that people want to be on the show. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Hi. Yes. Hello, Rowdy. And uh, I, I have to, by law, because he's my brother, give a quick shout out. Uh, my brother, as of yesterday, released his music video, Johnny Doesn't Know, uh, about Jon Snow. Um, and that oh, nice. is under Toy Beef Ant Farm is his production company's name on <laughs> on uh, Facebook and Instagram. So look up Toy Beef Ant Farm and look at their new video, Johnny Doesn't Know. Uh, and that's all I've got to talk about for this. <laughs> all right. They're not going to contact us. I mean, you can do that. Oh, You're God, bad. I hate doing this. I'm really bad at all it. All right. If you guys want to <laughs> contact us, or it's really just contacting Matt at this point, you can reach <laughs> us at several different you know, places. You can email us, uh, podcast at gmail.com. We have a website, disneyopodcast.com. Uh, it's all it's all kind of the same. If you, there's a theme here, we have a Facebook group called Disneyos. That's the only different one. Um, our handles for Twitter and Instagram are at Podcast. And if uh, this is your first episode, definitely go through the back catalog, rate, review, and subscribe. 
And uh, don't get too mad at us about the Shrek episode from last yeah, week. Yeah, it was a, a joke. Listener. We're <laughs> sorry. We're just, we're just messing around. Anyway, uh, we'll see you guys next week. And thanks so much, Ashley. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey. listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.